Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you've had a lovely week. I'm now back in England after a week in sunny Spain. I was down in Andalusia, my first trip abroad with my five-month-old Isabella, which on the whole was really successful. Actually, a really nice confidence boost and so nice to get away. I told you last week I was nervous about the flight mainly about her little ears and whether she'd be okay during takeoff and landing. And, you know, I tried to time her nap and feed to work perfectly so that she'd be all right. But of course, the flight was delayed. So we just kind of had to go with the flow and just hope she'd be okay. And thankfully, she was. She's a she's a better flyer than her mum. And clearly, like her parents too, she's just happier in sunnier climbs. I mean, like so many of us, right? The weather was just unseasonably warm down there. Um, It was sunshine and mid to high 20s every day. It was horrible here, I know, so sorry to rub it in. But a great time of year, uh, if you're thinking maybe about planning something for next spring, a great time of year to get down to the south of Spain if you can. I was out there to review the family offerings of two really different but equally beautiful hotels. The first place that we stayed uh, was called the Marbella Club. And I'll be discussing that in detail on my forthcoming family travel special episode of the podcast, which is coming up in a few weeks, which I'm really excited about. An opportunity for a group of us to share our travel tips and hacks about traveling with a family and you know, to showcase a variety of destinations and a range of different places to stay from budget options all the way through to luxury. So be sure to tune into that if you are interested. And then about 45 minutes along the coast, we reached our next stop which was called Hotel Finca Cortesin which had been on my hotel bucket list basically from the time that I started working in travel it has such an amazing reputation and of course I'd seen it on Instagram and it was so wonderful to just finally get there and actually though it doesn't actively market itself as a family destination think we were the only family there with a baby they were just hugely accommodating to us providing all the gear that we needed which made such a difference it's definitely an indulgent stay I think it would be a wonderful honeymoon or mini moon choice I think probably quite a lot of people were there on their honeymoon it's very spacious the rooms are all huge there's a lot of privacy as a result of it being so spacious and it's just really romantic yeah the setting if you're a regular listener you'll probably know that I'm all about the setting and the view um I really place a premium on having a great view um, when I'm traveling and the Finca is surrounded by green mountains to one side and then looking out towards the glittering Mediterranean Sea beyond and it has three ultra Instagrammable swimming pools uh, two outside one inside surrounded by palm trees and wisteria and like exotic wildflowers so fragrant to be sat outside there you could smell the orange blossom wherever you went oh it was gorgeous very calming environment and though I myself am not really into golf it's actually a huge golfing destination as well it's hosting the Solheim Cup this year which as I understand it is the women's golf equivalent of the Ryder Cup so a really prestigious tournament and the highlight for me was the food if you're staying on the Costa del Sol like I said um, Mabea is about a 40 minute drive away may I recommend booking in a special meal at Rei there R-E-I which is the Japanese restaurant if you're into sushi or tataki Japanese food in general it will be worth the journey it was one of the best meals I have ever had so a big thank you to Finca Cortesina for hosting us. I'm actually posting about it at the moment. If you want to follow along and see a little visual diary, I'm posting about it retrospectively on my Instagram at Holly Rubenstein. Okay, on to today's guest. Gosh, we are in for an absolute treat today. Divya Tani is the Global Editorial Director of Condé Nast Traveller magazine, overseeing seven editions of the title across the globe, including here in the UK. 
If you're not familiar with Condé Nast Traveller Mag, it's the ultimate guide to, you know, the world's most exciting hot new destinations, new opening hotels and restaurants experiences. And Div is at the helm of it all and has been shaping the brand's voice and vision for several years now, having served as editor-in-chief of Condé Nast Traveller India for a decade as well. She was born and raised in Mumbai, India, with her family scattered all across the globe. And Divya's travel diaries today take us far and wide across Europe, across Africa, North America and Asia. From ultra luxury hotels to affordable homestays, belly dancing in Egypt to a shamanic experience in Mexico. Her recommendations, I think, will undoubtedly spark your wanderlust. And stay tuned for the quickfire round at the end where Divya answers some of your questions that you sent through to me on Instagram and gives some brilliant travel advice. So let's get started. Here's Divya. Divya Tani, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. Wow, it is such an honor to be sitting here with you today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me, Holly. This is so exciting. Oh, I'm so, so excited myself. I mean, catching you in London for a for a brief minute, I imagine. <laughs> yes, this has been my month of staying grounded in London. I had to make the decision to do that this month just because otherwise I feel like I don't live here and I, I really yeah. want to get to know London a little bit. Yeah. So. How long have you lived in London? Uh, just over a year now. How are you finding it? I love it. I mean, I, I certainly love it more when the sun is out. <laughs> yes. We're speaking on a rather grim, a grim winter's day today, aren't yes, we? Yes, but no, I, I absolutely love it um, in the summertime and in the spring. I just, I love, I love the change of the seasons. Uh, I grew up in India, so I don't really have that. So I'm very, I just love the spring and the fall. I'm mm, all about that. Mm. And so we're going to come back to your, your childhood in India, but we're going to go on a journey today through the seven chapters of your life's travel diaries. So much to, so much to cover. Starting at the very beginning, chapter one is your earliest childhood travel memory. Well, I was born and raised in India, in Mumbai, um, which I still call Bombay. But uh, my father moved right after I was born to Africa, to Nigeria. And so we would spend every summer, partly in Lagos, and partly in London. Wow. So my earliest childhood memories, I have to say my earliest memories are actually flights because we took a lot of flights and I remember these flights really, really clearly when I was younger, traveling with my mom and my sister to visit my dad and the rest of our, our family, which is spread out all over the world. So I would mm -hmm. say flights really are the number one thing that I remember when I think about my childhood memories, because I also, not a good way to start a podcast, but I used to get really, really sick as a child on the flights. And so the trauma of that is still alive <laughs> printed in your mind. Not anymore? <laughs> not We're at all that. anymore. That's thank goodness. Um, but I remember Lagos really, really vividly because it is such... Um, it is such a distinct and unique and beautiful and colorful and noisy place, which just really I love. I'm a, I'm a big city girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I really used to love being being in Lagos. I used to love our summers there. We used to have um, this lovely, beautiful club called the Ecoe Club, which is where I, I learned to swim. Um, and so I remember that really, really clearly. And then I remember also very specifically um, a little stall in the back of the club that used to sell something called suya mm -hmm. which is this fantastic nigerian specialty it's sort of like a barbecue meat on a barbecue stick in this incredibly spicy seasoning Ooh. and um i used to love it but it used it's beef and we were not allowed to eat beef because we're Hindu and we're Indian. And so my sister and I would actually um, steal some Naira from my mom's bag and go and eat this beef very sort of secretly until we were finally caught out one day because it's so spicy that we came back like tears running down our faces. And my mom was like, what happened to you? And we had to confess that we ate this really spicy suya beef. And my mother was not happy about that, but um, <laughs> but I'll never forget that. It's one of my favorite memories um, growing up. So I would say Lagos and and just the markets and the the color and the and the vibe and the energy of such a frenetic, amazing city. It's mm. just always stayed with me. And at and at that time, I suppose it probably wasn't the 
like right now, Lagos is a real cultural mm-hmm, hub, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, there's a burgeoning art scene. Absolutely. At absolutely. that time, what was it like? Do you know? Um, I have to say because I was so young and it was a very different time. It was it was quite sheltered. I would say we we weren't really out and about as much as I think people today are very open about moving around. But back then, there was still you know a lot of security issues and uh, and mm-hmm. you know being two girls with my mom, we were all, always sort of having to move around the city with security, which is a little bit strange, although you get very used to it. Mm. Um, And I know that's still the case in in some ways in Lagos even now, but we just had absolutely the best time, whatever it is that we were doing. I still have really great friends from back then that I made when I was about seven years old that we've always stayed in touch and and reconnect in in different parts of the world, which is amazing. Um, And I think that... You know, obviously it's changed dramatically, but some of the things were really, really great even back then. I remember even back then the roads were fantastic. You know, if you compared it relative to India, it was miles ahead in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the Lebanese uh, restaurant, Lebanese food in, in Lagos is phenomenal the Chinese used to be amazing I mean so many different influences so many different influences and different communities that made it their home and and really you just had this it felt incredibly international Mm -hmm. and um, even back then it felt really really exciting and there was what I love about places like Lagos and, and even Bombay where I'm from is you don't see everything that's happening on the surface. You kind of have to dig a little bit to get there and see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fun is. That's really where the exploration is and the discovery is. And um, you come back just with, with everything. Everything feels like a secret that you unveiled. So yeah. there's something really magical about that. That is the perfect segue to what my next question was going to be, because... Bombay, Mumbai is one of the most popular destinations that have been picked by like my previous guests on the podcast. It's really? so loved, at, you know, as a city. Oh, that makes but, me so happy to hear. Oh, completely. <laughs> but I mean, some having been like born and raised there, um, what are the, you know, could you give us maybe a couple of insider recommendations for somebody who's maybe going there for the first time, but like wants to get under the skin, like you say? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, this is hard. Um... I think one of the things that's quite overlooked by a lot of the visitors that come to to Bombay is the art scene. We have incredible galleries um, in India, in South Bombay, scattered. um, But you can actually do an art walk now and they take you through this. And our contemporary artists in India are absolutely fantastic and are now showing in fact there's at Somerset House right now if you go Jitish Kalat has an incredible installation Um, Mm -hmm. but so many of our contemporary artists um, are housed in these galleries that are really quite small they're not big giant beautiful galleries and museums the way that you have in London Um, these are very small sort of you wouldn't again you wouldn't know from the outside that you're going to experience this kind of art on the inside but again that's what's really lovely about Mm -hmm. the whole thing but I would definitely suggest a little tour of the galleries in Sat Bombay and the Kolaba area and Kalaghora specifically um, where you really get a chance to go into these galleries and again because space is such a premium in Bombay you'll find a lot of the art is in the back and you have to specifically say look I'm here I'm going to be here for another hour bring me whatever you have let me see everything that you have in the back pick an artist that you love Mm -hmm. and they have gems that they will bring out to you because there's only that much real estate on the outside that they can actually display things so you should always ask to say I'm here I'm happy to sit here for the next hour but bring me everything that you have in the back incredible oh I've, I've never been I am dying to go if I went there where would you suggest I stay Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to give you two choices. Okay. Two that, of my... I, love, I love multiple choices. Okay, great. So of the two options, the first is the Taj Mahal Palace, oh, which is yeah. iconic. Everybody knows that. Um, it is absolutely beautiful and it overlooks the gateway of India. It is it is the iconic image that you have of Mumbai, um, but also it has the most incredible history and heritage and architecture. Mm. It has beautiful stories. I mean, everyone, anyone who is anyone that ever visited Bombay stayed in this amazing hotel. So the, the corridors are just 
full of these beautiful images of everyone that has ever come to stay. And it's all the politicians and the diplomats and the stars and the celebrities It's and the artists. It's the whole range. Um, there's really something very beautiful about living in a place with so much history and so many stories. It's iconic for a reason. Yeah. So I would absolutely 100% say that should be on your list. Um, even if you don't stay, you must go visit. Yeah, you go for a, a tea. Absolutely, or a, a go cocktail. for tea and it's amazing. You sit in the sea lounge, which is, again, very, very famous. And you're sitting there on, on the first floor. You take this beautiful staircase um, up there. It's carpeted in this gorgeous red. It's, again, one of the most iconic shots that you'll see. And anyone that's into Instagram, that's the spot to take the photo. Yeah. Um, and then you see sit by the window and you're drinking tea and you must have chat and, and you must have the chat when you're there um, because it's a great place to, to have that and have the masala chai and just look out onto the gateway and just see Bombay flow in front of you just dozens and hundreds and hundreds of people just sort of making their way through the day Amazing. Um, it's really really incredible uh, and the second place that I would recommend is the Oberoi in Mumbai mm-hmm. um, and this is right on the water on the the Arabian Sea is right in front of you. It's on this long stretch of called Marine Drive, and it's full of these Art Deco buildings. It's actually the longest stretch of Art Deco buildings in the world after Miami. Wow! Yes, it's amazing. After like Ocean Drive. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So it's it's incredible to see the, again the history, and it's just in front of you. And the street lights at night are beautiful all along the water. It's called the Queen's Necklace, and um, it's it's incredible. The Oberoi also has probably I would say the best service I have ever seen. Um, in India, but also, I would say, globally, one of the absolute best in terms of service. So you really are experiencing Indian hospitality, but in a very contemporary way, um, at its best. Mm. So both of these, I would say, would be my top recommendations. What incredible recommendations. Okay, those are added to my hotel bucket list for sure. Chapter two, Divya, is the first place that you fell in love with. Where would that be? Going to be a little bit boring, possibly, but um, the truth is it's London. The first ah. place I, I really fell in love with was was London. And as, as I mentioned earlier, I used to spend a lot of my summers here, um, partly when I was growing up. And I don't know if if this was common in, in the UK, but I, I was a voracious reader when I was younger. And my favorite author in the world used to be Enid Blyton. Oh. Oh my goodness, the yeah. famous five and all of those uh, books about the boarding schools, you know, the girls at yes. Mallory Towers yes. and St. Clair's and the Naughtiest Girl and, and all of that. And I, I grew up reading these books and they just completely captured my imagination. And I remember very distinctly being with my mom in London one summer and I had read a whole bunch of these books and I said, I want to have a picnic in the park, but I want to have the midnight feast that these girls have in these books at their boarding schools. And so I had a list and we sort of went and got, I don't know, like tinned sardines and tinned <laughs> pineapple and just really weird things. And really makes me wonder like why they were eating these things in the middle of the night, these boarding schools. But I wanted to have that picnic. So I made my mom buy all of this. I remember we went to Marks and Spencer's and we bought all of this stuff. And my mom said, all right, now we'll have a picnic. And we were in Hyde Park and I spread everything around and I tried everything one by one and I hated every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this food? These girls, it sounded so delicious in the books. And then I ate it and I was like, this is just where it's, this is just not my, not my thing. <laughs> but I remember so well being in London and, and being in, in Hyde Park and, it's really silly things, but looking at, at, at all of the stuff that you read about in books um, and then to experience it firsthand. And I think London is probably the first place where that happened to me. I had read about something or I had seen it on television and I then got to experience it for real. Mm. And having that sort of that circle, um, London is probably the first place where I had it. And I yeah. absolutely, absolutely fell in love with it. So uh, um, I'm very lucky that I get yeah, to now live here now. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And what initially attracted you to um, journalism and, and travel writing, I suppose, in particular? Um, well, I, I, like I mentioned, I was a, a big reader when yeah. I was growing up. And um, I was really 
a little bit of a of a geek in that sense. I just I I, I was constantly reading books. A book and one, I, absolutely. And I was, uh, you know, I would go to restaurants and hide a book under the table and uh, be reprimanded by my mom for behaving so so rudely at dinner. <laughs> and um, but I I just really loved it. So I was, you know, I I was writing from the time that I was very young, and I was editor of my school magazine and then my college magazine in the U.S. and just was always in that space. Um, I never thought that I would do anything in travel. It was, it's weird, but it's a really integral part of my life. But I took it totally for granted as well. I never mm-hmm. sort of thought of it as being something unusual or something that I should think about as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love to write and I love to read and I, I really enjoyed editing. Um, when I moved back to India, my first job was, I just took it because I needed to kill time till I went back to do a master's, to be honest. And I worked for um, a French fashion magazine that was launching in the country. And I just loved the job. I just loved it so much. And I kept deferring the master's for several years until I finally decided that I, I wasn't going to do it at all because I just enjoyed this, um, the business of it so much and the yeah. publishing side of it. I just, everything about it was exciting to me. Um, and so I was actually at Vogue. I was part of the launch team at Vogue in India. And um, it was great. It was It was incredible. And it really felt like everything you were doing was being done for the first time. Mm. It was historic in a certain way. And um, three years later, my my boss decided that he, the MD, decided that he would bring Traveler into India and asked me to to head it. And I, I said, but I don't know anything about travel writing. And he said, well, you know travel and you know writing, just, you know, create something that you would read yeah. in travel. And I really took that on as a challenge. And I, I ended up just absolutely falling in love with it. And I haven't done anything else since. Yeah. So, so you were there for 10, 10 years and then became the global editorial director for all of Condé Nast Traveler. Yes, yes. So I, I ran the, the Traveler title in India for a decade. And uh, we celebrated 10 years in the middle of 2020. So it was a really weird and horrible time, actually, because at that point, travel was completely on hold. And I had days and nights where, honestly, I really thought we would never travel again. Mm. It seemed like it would never open up and the world was just in this horrible place and nothing would ever be the same. And uh, at the end of that year, I was promoted to this new role, which was newly created in the company, where I would run not just Traveler in India, but all seven of our editions. And um, it's been the opportunity and, and privilege of, yeah. of, my, of my life, I would say, to, yeah. to be able to do this. Um, and so I moved to London about a year later um, to take on the role. And yeah, it's been, it's been incredible. It's really been a, an amazing journey. We'll come back to the mag in a sec because there's so much I want to ask. But let's pause there and go on to chapter three, which is the place where you learned the most about yourself. The place where I learned the most about myself is a place called Bradford, Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like quite provincial, is it? (laughs) It's home of the Zippo lighter. If that, if that makes, uh, if that, if 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 you can recognize it from that, I certainly didn't. Um, It's a very small town in Pennsylvania. It's about an hour and a half from Buffalo. It's in a valley in the snow belt, and think about. I was 17 when I went to college, and I went to college in America on a scholarship. It was University of Pittsburgh. Oh, University of Pittsburgh, right. And they have a branch, they have a few different campuses, and one of the campuses is in Bradford, Pennsylvania, and... Because I was on a scholarship, they said, okay, well, listen, it's we can give you a little bit more money if you go to the branch campus. And I said, yeah, sure. It's Pittsburgh. It's Pennsylvania. It's right under New York on the map. It'll be great. I'll be in the city every weekend. It's going to be fine. I should also preface this by saying I uh, was completely ignorant. This is also pre-internet. like internet. Like I didn't have a computer back then. Everything was very different. So yeah. I'm not as crazy as I, as uh, hopefully it doesn't sound as crazy now that you know that. But yeah, yeah. I really had no idea where I was going or mm-hmm. what I was getting myself into. And so I landed at 17 into this tiny, tiny airport 
on a Sunday, and I really, I remember this because the plane, there was, the only planes that landed into that airport were from Pittsburgh, and they weren't even every day. And I got in, they had never seen suitcases my size before. They were all just wondering, who am I? Where has she come from? Who is this crazy person? And I got out, I had these two giant suitcases, and I said, well, I need to get a cab to the university. And Everyone just looked at me and they were like, there is one taxi in Bradford and Bob doesn't work on Sundays. Like, <laughs> How are you going to get to this university? And I was absolutely just in a state of shock because I come from a really big city and my references were all really big cities. Yeah. And I was in, in Bradford and, and I, there were no skyscrapers. And, you know, and it, to me, all of America, all of the U.S. was New York City. Like I only knew Manhattan and just thought that, that was America. Yeah, yeah. And um, then I showed up in this place and I was like, where, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really different to anything that I had known. The culture shock was just massive for me. Um, but I went to school there for three years and I learned more about myself there than I did anywhere else probably because it was so wildly different to anything that I had known. Um, and I learned how to from really basic things. You know, I'd never operated a washing machine in my life before or a dishwasher or any any of these appliances. And from really basic things like that uh, to just sort of understanding American culture in a way that that didn't come from New York or LA or Miami, which is generally what, we're, what, what I had been exposed to. Mm. Um, just trying to understand a very different side of the U.S. and um, understanding that culture. And it was wildly different to the experiences that my best friends were having in Boston and New York. Mm. Um, but I, it, and it definitely had difficult moments. It was, it was definitely not an easy ride for me. But looking back, I wouldn't change a thing because I would, I, I just, I grew as a person, I think, in, in such a major way through all of those uh, challenges and just sort of being completely out of my comfort zone. Yes. And uh, I think that's what travel is about, really, Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah, whether it's in the short term or the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Well, chapter four is going to be such a hard one for you. The all-time favorites. Now, 
we normally ask your all-time favorite destination. Yeah, I'm going to ask that. But there are a couple of others I'd love to ask as well. Your all-time favorite hotel. Because that is something that everyone wants to know. And maybe also, like, if you've had a, a real standout travel experience that sticks in your memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so destination. Let's start with the, the destination. Let's start with the destination. Um, so look, obviously I'm I'm biased in a way, so I, I want to say India, but I, I'm going to say something else because I feel like that's that's too biased um, to say. Um, my my favorite destination after India is South Africa. Oh. I absolutely love South Africa. If you haven't been you must, must go. It is one of those places where, you know, I was talking about how travel is so much about being outside of your your comfort zone. Yes. But I had the opposite experience in South Africa. I landed in South Africa in Johannesburg for the first time, and I felt like I was home. Nothing about... It's totally different to, to where I come from, and yet it felt completely familiar. I cannot explain it. There's something about the cultures that just... There is a connection. And... It's 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 the energy. I, I'm not entirely sure how to explain it, but there's something about it that just makes you feel at home right away, even though you're experiencing everything that is so different. And Johannesburg gets a bad rap, but it is actually just this incredibly cool, cutting-edge city where so much of the best of Africa just sort of finds its way into Johannesburg. And the, the fashion scene and the art scene is incredible in that city. Um, yeah, because I didn't expect for you to be saying it was Johannesburg. I thought it was going to be Cape Town. So that's really interesting. Absolutely. It's got a completely different vibe to Cape Town. Joburg yeah. is just very, very cool. And I think what I love about Joburg is that you're in there and you it's unmistakably Africa. You feel like you're in the heart of Africa. Whereas I think when you go to Cape Town, it, it, feels, it feels a little bit more international and cosmopolitan and Bits of it remind me of California and bits of it remind me of other places. And um, whereas in Johannesburg, I feel like this feels just like Johannesburg. I can't think of another place that feels like it, which mm. is a really nice thing. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, you go on safari and the lodges that you have in South Africa are just extraordinary. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I hope I see the big five. You know, it was my, one of my first safaris. And uh, I saw the big five in about five minutes. Yeah you know, yeah. which is nuts. It's crazy. There's just such a plethora of wildlife and, and it's, um, and safaris are my favorite kind of trip. I absolutely, absolutely love You're them. You're a wildlife lover. Uh, completely. I yeah. just, there's something about being out in, in, in the wild in, and, and looking at all of the wildlife that just really feels very primal in a way that you connect with it at a very sort of a very internal base level that you just respond to that in a way that that is fascinating even to yourself how you respond to the cycle of life how you mm. respond to a kill happening in front of you mm. how do you respond to to seeing um you know a family in the wild being in front of your eyes possibly being ripped apart or seeing a mom protect her babies. I mean, these are such primal, fundamental human experiences and emotions. Yeah. And it's interesting to see yourself almost like a voyeur watching it, watching it in front of you. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, it's phenomenal because it makes you think about so many different things. You know, you see your life in perspective because you realize all of this is nature and all of this is bound to happen. So you can't get too attached. It's the way the world works. But then you also see how fundamental and primal those emotions are, oh, and what's really way important. Of, uh, I like. I haven't really thought about safari in that way, and what a lovely way to yeah to 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 when you're observing what's going on before your eyes to think about it in that way is. It's really a lovely way of looking it's, at things. It's, it's meditative. Yeah, Honestly, meditative. It's really meditative. And a meditative. contrast to, to your love of cities as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's just something about that just really I, I connect with on a really, really deep level. And so I love South Africa for that reason as well. And then, of course, you have the coast, which is gorgeous. And then you have, you know, the entire sort of Stellenbosch, Fra Frank Schuch area where mm. the wine and the restaurants and the food are just out of the world they're so so fantastic and 
Um, and it's just, it's like everything you, everything you want from a trip is in South Africa. It really, truly is. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. Um, it's such a great family destination. It's so romantic if you're a couple. It's fantastic if you just want to go on your own and just go on safari and, and have that experience for yourself. I feel like it really just hits all those boxes and in a very unexpected way as well. Um, so yeah, I really love it. I can't stop talking about it. So stop me now, Holly, because I'll go on forever about South Africa. Oh my goodness. I mean, what what a way to sell South Africa. <laughs> I, I I mean, it. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. It's on uh, certainly one of the destinations at the top of my bucket list. I mean... Um, I weirdly I don't like flying even though I'm a travel writer okay I, I have an issue with I like I really struggle with it so it's quite a long flight from London it is uh, but it you is. know it's an easy one isn't it so I've just got to like bite the bullet and go I think so and I think you know the nice thing is that it's the kind of place that you should go and really spend some quality time there. yes yeah. so you don't have to think of it as like a trip there and back and it's so much flying time really try and stretch it out and spend as much time as you can possibly spend when you're there yeah and I promise you that will change the way you think about flying as well because you'll just want to come back whatever it takes so <laughs> you'll be on that flight it's going to cure you of this I think uh how about a favorite hotel so hard that's a very hard one yeah. for me um because first of all I love hotels absolutely love them yeah um and I'm also a little bit you know I it's weird but I I get so excited about any place that I've just been you know I really get so excited I love I love to travel and so what my favorite is just depends on the week that you're asking me and where totally. I just went last month totally yeah um, so it's very hard for me to pick an all-time favorite but I can tell you about a few that I've experienced very recently that were just really fascinating and cool and and and, and just amazing to me. I spent Christmas this year um, in Mexico. Oh wow! And I was at the one and only Pamea in in Los Cabos, and it is it was my first time in Mexico, and I didn't quite know what to expect. It was quite a last minute trip because I was meant to be in Peru, but that's another story. So I ended up there, and I it's amazing the hotel is old it's not a new property but it's really mm. really deeply rooted in in Mexico and in the culture that in a way that just makes it feel very authentic to that to that to that area and to that region um it's right on the water the light is golden it's golden mm. sunshine every single day there's a reason why all the a-list hollywood stars go absolutely, to carbon right absolutely the yeah. skies are blue the water is gorgeous and blue and you're right on the water and so you wake up to the sunrise you can see it from your bed and that is that is luxury I mean, yeah. you can watch the most incredible sunrise in the world and you don't have to get out of your bed that to me is is incredible mm -hmm. um but also the food and the service and the sort of hospitality which um which i knew was you know everyone knows that that the hospitality there is amazing but i think i experienced it firsthand for the first time and i was bowled over by it because mm. it's really really warm mm. and people are so kind and giving and they don't just you know service is one thing and it has to be efficient and it has to be intuitive and we know all of these things but what I love is that they they're really um, keen and happy to share their own personal stories with you I and it's a very them. natural way um, of connecting with somebody but they do it without it's not it's not prescriptive and I, I really found it to be a very unique form of hospitality that I loved and I really really responded to and that mm. hotel is very special to me for that reason yeah um you know facilities all of that they had this amazing experience called the Temescal experience that you mm. can actually do in the hotel and it's it's a fantastic sort of wellness spiritual experience and the shaman is there they have an in-house shaman which is oh my goodness amazing wow um and she guides you through this prayer and meditation before you go into this sort of um igloo shaped uh essentially a steam room where they bring in all of this hot lava rock and based on on what you're trying to manifest they have all of these medicinal herbs and they keep bringing it in and adding it to the steam bath and you're sweating and you're crying and it's all really intense and they're singing and they're translating what they're saying and it the whole experience was wow. absolute magic it and was magic it was magic and really? to feel like you could have that in the one and only in the hotel um 
in a completely authentic and really powerful and poignant way, um, that's really to me what the best hotels in the world do. Yeah, because you're in this, you're in a safe and comforting environment, but you're able to do something transcendental. Absolutely, in a way. Yeah. and to and to have it done by somebody that has been doing this. She had been doing it for I don't know, fifteen years, but her family—that's that's what everyone in her family does. Her parents did it. Her grandparents did it, and so she has this incredible lineage and and knowledge and insight and. We just felt so honored and privileged to have an experience like this. And, you know, I'm always I'm always the first person to say, get out of the hotel and experience real life. But the best hotels are really conscious of that. And they bring little slices of that real life inside of the hotel for you to experience. And I loved it. So for me, that is definitely one of my the top on my list at the moment. So sounds such an amazing place and so interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really, really loved it. Wonderful. Well, chapter five is your hidden gem. So that is a place that you love. It can be big or small, but some of that you you know that maybe no one else knows about. Okay. So this one I am going to tell you about one in India. Okay. Amazing. I, I discovered one um, last year, which just for me is now a magical, extraordinary place that I know I want to go back to. And that's the real test for me is to say, if I have another two or three days off, am I going to take the time to go somewhere new or do I want to go back to this place? Totally. So for me, that's a big, big test. So there is a little place. It's actually a homestay. And this is called Maya's Crest. And it is in the Himalayas, the foothills of the Himalayas, in a place called Kasoli which is in the state of Himachal Pradesh in India. So it's this beautiful house that this young girl with absolutely no experience in architecture or building or construction or anything like that decided that she was going to build her mom a house on this location because her mom had just recovered from from an illness and she wanted her to be somewhere really beautiful and pristine and away from the chaos and the pollution and everything else. So she she undertook this project because no one in the area would build it for her because he said, where you're building is absurd. We can't get things up there. And so she took it upon herself to design and build it. And it is extraordinary. It's just this beautiful mountain home. It's simple in a certain way and yet sophisticated in a way because it's very much of the area and it's very much built in a way that is true to what is actually the native kind of the indigenous way of building in that area. And she spent a lot of time just thinking about where does the sun rise and where does it set and where does the light fall? And I want mom to be able to take her tea in this area while she's looking out. And oh my goodness, it's so, so thoughtful. thoughtful. Oh, yes, exactly <laughs> that. It's so thoughtful and considered. And her mom, um, Ushanti, lives there full time and takes care of the guests who come in. So there's just three rooms that you can rent, but all of them very different from each other, each of them with an unbelievable, very different view. So you're getting, feels like a completely different house at different times of the day based on where you're sitting. Mm -hmm. And she'll make you homemade coffee cake and she'll cook for you and talk to you. And she's a, she's a wealth of wisdom. She's a really talented artist herself. So the house is full of her own art. Um, and it's just this really magical place. And, you know, I went back to India last year um, and I had just a few days off and I wanted to spend time with my closest friends that I hadn't seen in more than a year. Um, and obviously, you know, because I travel so much and I always need to see what's new and exciting, I tend to go to a fabulous new hotel and, and we spend some great time there. And this time I, I just wanted to do something where that was different. And we ended up in this place and they all were sort of like, Devi, are you sure about this? Because it's not what you normally do. And I said, yes, it's just, it's trapped in my mind. Um, I, you know, we covered it for Gone and Traveler um, in the year before that. And for some reason, it just stayed in my, in my head. And we went there for a few days. You know, we didn't leave the house, not even to take a walk hmm. because it was so beautiful. The outside is just inside. There's no sort of barriers between that. So you feel like you're out anyway. And all we did was spend time by the fireplace and we played board games and we drank 
lots of wine um and we you know woke up every morning and had three hour long breakfast and it was just the most incredible place to to disconnect but also reconnect um with with the people that you that you want to spend time with and I just thought I want more of this in my life sounds so peaceful and and tranquil absolutely Maya's crest on on I think you can get it on on Instagram you can find it but if you can't just call me and I'll I'll I'll, I'll speak to her to get you in but it's really really it's a wonderful magical um place and I'm really big on energy so I love I, I really feel that when you walk into a place if the energy is great you're bound to have a great time and I felt that the second I walked into the spot oh lovely yeah I completely agree have you been to those parts parts of the world where there are actually energy vortexes you know where you really feel it yeah well you know I haven't I mean I I it's weird but also because I grew up in India and I sort of feel like we have so spirituality and and the sort of idea of of positive energies are are so much a part of our culture that I kind of feel like I grew up in this really high energy really high spiritual energy place and yeah. so um and so I sort of feel like a little bit of that you you kind of carry with you wherever you go but now I haven't been to the energy vortexes I'm, I'm intrigued to go I'm also a little bit a little bit I, nervous I, I went to one a couple of years I went to Sedona in the US yeah. uh, which is a you know a real pilgrimage spot yes. for um, energy and I I found it over I'm also very attuned to energy mm-hmm. and I found it overwhelming yeah, yeah. that's what I imagine I, I didn't sleep I was kind of wired really it. yes well that says a lot doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah um, but I mean for some people they find it just incredibly uh Recharging, exhilarating. Yeah, I guess it depends how how you you react to that. Absolutely. And I think it's also, it's very specific to your own energy. You know, I also feel that certain places that everybody has loved somehow I have not responded to in the same way mm-hmm. and other places that meant nothing to, to some people for me just felt like it was next level yeah there is um you know the, the golden temple in Amritsar is a place where I you know I'm not a religious person but something about the space and the energy at the golden temple is so um it's it's magic there's something about it that is really really powerful and for me that's the one place that no matter how often I've been I've always felt that and it's a very not exhilarating but it's a very calming energy and you sort of come back just feeling really grateful for your life and I think that's the kind of energy that I want in my life always so the golden temple to me is very very special Well, in complete contrast to that, our penultimate chapter is chapter six, which is your worst travel experience. (laughs) You probably have to be quite careful, don't you? A little bit, but (laughs) no, not really. I mean, I think the worst travel experiences for me have sadly been in airports. They've really got nothing to do with the destinations, but it's just, it's everybody has a horrible experience that they can talk about it, but being stranded or sitting on the tarmac for hours and not having water and not having just basic. And we seem to have so much of that. And the other thing that drives me nuts is, you know, I I live in the UK now, but I, I still have to come in through uh, the sort of tourist line at the airport. And sometimes I'm standing there for up to three hours. Um, it's, it's not the best way to start or end. Uh, no, it, it never is. But, you know, also I feel like the more you travel, I also feel like the more kind of understanding you get about these things um, and you kind of prepare for them and you, it's part of the experience. And I think the key is to just not let those three hours at the immigration line ruin the two weeks of fabulousness that you had in Mexico. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, really the key. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. that's what you have to Getting do. Getting things into perspective. Yeah, completely. But I I would say, I mean, in terms of the worst travel experiences, I would say the one thing that I've learned is just don't go anywhere in peak season. You know, that is the one thing to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, go shoulder season, go off season, you know, then you'll really, first of all, you'll get a much more authentic experience as yeah. well. So I feel like just try and go somewhere that nobody else wants to go in July and August and you'll have a great time. <laughs> great tip. So before we come on to the final chapter of your travel diaries, I put a call out on Instagram um, to my followers asking what they would love to ask you. And the the response was amazing. There are so many things that people want to ask. So I thought we could do a kind of quick fire, you know, snappy answers for Great. some of your faves and, and other things. So okay. Maddie says, what's the best part of your job? Oh, um, the best part of my job is not knowing where I could be 
next month. Ah, that is a great part of your job. Okay, Isabella. She says, where would you recommend for a six week long trip, affordable but comfortable? Well, it has to be Asia. If you're going on a six-week-long trip, first of all, lucky you, Isabella. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. But I would say if you're doing six weeks and you want affordable, you want just absolute brilliant experiences, quality experiences, and a real real sort of adventure and still have the opportunity for comfort and, um, and just really ha- having so many... A variety of different experiences I would say absolutely do Asia um, I love Vietnam specifically mm-hmm. for this kind of thing because mm-hmm. I think there's just um, incredible experiences to be had amazing value for money and just the best food that you will ever eat um, go to Hoi An and you'll get a whole new wardrobe for for peanuts and it will be beautifully tailored mm-hmm. fabulous clothes mm-hmm. um, obviously Thailand is is fantastic for this kind of thing as well and is now completely open um, Asia's been closed for so long and is finally open again so I would say take this time and go back because so much has changed and it's still quiet right now to go so I would say book a flight and just get there and let me know how it is Isabella, what a great recommendation you've got there. I hope that you have an amazing trip to Asia. (laughs) Georgia, she says she wants to know what your favorite UK hotel is. Oh, oh my goodness. I feel like I can't answer this yet because I've been here a year, but there's so many big iconic ones that I haven't even been to yet. Here's the thing, when you live in the place, you you know more, you travel abroad more, don't you? Rather Like I've lived in London all my life, but I've been to very few London hotels. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I've been making, you know, for me, this is still new and for me, it still feels like a new destination. So I've been trying a lot of them, um, but I certainly, I, I can't say that I have a favorite yet just because I feel like it isn't fair. There's too many that I haven't seen um i do really enjoy um checking out all of the london hotels and i i feel like they're the, the quality of them is so so amazing and then of course london has three or four big openings this year as yeah. well and those are going to be really really exciting i'm so excited about the raffles which is going to open later on this year and the old war office this incredible history and architecture and yeah. it's going to be so exciting and then we have um the mandarin oriental opening up very soon as well and the peninsula so there's so much happening in london itself Mm. um i'm excited but i think if you ask me a year from now georgia i will have an answer for you i'm sorry to bail on this one (laughs) but i feel like i'm just not ready yet sophie would love your recommendation for summer to go on her honeymoon Ooh, um let me think well the Maldives is always amazing for a honeymoon. So I feel like if you've never done that, then that's a very safe choice and you are guaranteed to have the most beautiful, amazing time. But if you haven't considered it before, then I will say go on safari on your honeymoon because I really do think that it is an extraordinary way to spend time with someone that you love. Um it's it's incredibly romantic. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you're done for the day on safari, you sit by 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 the fire in the camp and everything is lit by candles and and it's absolutely so romantic and beautiful. And you're sleeping usually under the stars, or even if you're in a tent, you'll have the curtains just sort of blowing at night and these beautiful mosquito nets it is it's extraordinarily romantic and yet I feel in a way you still have to wake up really early and you go out on a jeep and you're sort of looking at all of the wildlife you could be doing a walking safari so it's active and it's exciting and you feel like you're always looking forward to seeing what's going on but it's not exhausting and it's not um it's not like physically very demanding yeah. and still feels really active. So I feel totally. like for a honeymoon, it's a really, it's like really the, nice it way. It includes all the right bits. Exactly. Perfect. So I feel like that could be great. So that's another wonderful tip. Aren't we so lucky, everyone? We're so lucky. Okay, finally, Charlie would like to know, this is a nice question. What is the favorite magazine cover that you've worked on? Like a, your favorite photo that you put on the cover of one of your magazines? Oh, gosh. Um Oh, gosh, that's a really hard one. Um, it's one of those things where, again, it feels like it's the last cover, like the most recent cover is my favorite Sticks always. Mind, yeah. Um, but I've worked on some really, really special ones over the years. And um, I think what is really, what is really, really interesting to me is 
how different the covers are across all of the editions of Traveler around the world. You know, when I was running the India edition, I would look at the British edition of Traveler and I would say, oh my God, it's a beach again? Like, why is there another beach on this cover? <laughs> and now that I live here in London, I totally get why yeah. the covers are, need to be beaches and blue skies and blue ocean because that's really what you want when you're living in, in, in the UK is you want that shot of sunshine and just glorious Mediterranean golden sunlight. So I totally get it now, but the covers are so unique all around the world. Um, in India, you know, we, we sometimes have, you know, very big celebrities on the cover and we've had mm -hmm. Bollywood stars. And um, one of the, one of, I guess one of the most exciting covers that I've worked on, which is recent, so I can, I can talk about it. Um, just last year, we did a project um, that was a sort of collaboration between markets and we shot Charitra Chandran from Bridgerton for the destination wedding um, guide that we do in India. Yeah. And we shot her at the Lanesborough in London. Um, and we had one of India's top designers, Manish Malhotra, um, dress her up in this beautiful sort of bridal gown. We shot her in the hotel, but also in the park. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And mind you, we were shooting last summer on the hottest day of the year. Oh my goodness. And this extraordinary, in bridal wear, this extraordinary girl is sort of like walking through the park, 40 degree heat in this fully embroidered Indian lenga. And she was just an absolute star and trooper. And that cover just blew up and was so successful. Yeah. People absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, and I think that mix of, of having Indian wedding designer, Charitra, who's such a global, international, beautiful face, um, and a lovely girl, by the way, and, and London as the backdrop, which, you know, I think for Indians, London is, is, they feel like it's a second home. They just absolutely adore it and know it so well. To see all of these things come together was really, really special. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that in recent memory, I would say that's one of my favorite covers. Amazing. Well, Devia, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed chatting to you. It's so interesting, so inspiring. We're on to the final chapter. What is a destination at the top of your travel bucket list? Where would you love to go that you've not been to yet? Well, um, there's a few of them, I would say. I haven't been to Japan, which feels crazy that I haven't done it. I've had bad luck every time I've been meaning, every time I was meant to go, something would happen. Um, and the same with Argentina. But oh, two amazing Two amazing countries, countries that I have never discover. been to and feel really badly that I haven't. But number one, I would say on my list is actually Egypt. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to Egypt before. And of course, I want to do the pyramids and I, I want to do a cruise on the Nile for sure. But the other place that really has captured my imagination is Alexandria because I, I trained in belly dance for many years. Really? And Alexandria was the place that all my belly dance teachers used to talk about because I trained in the Egyptian style of belly dance. And I know it's slightly on the decline now in Alexandra, but I feel like that's the one place I really just want to go and sort of almost like a pilgrimage. Like I yeah. feel I need to go there and just say that I've been and take a look at what it is and just sort of feel like I was in the in the place where it has such deep roots. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just such a beautiful form of dance. And I, I really love it so much. And so I'm, I'm hoping that I can get there soon and see it in some of its glory in, in the place that it came from. So I'm excited Wonderful. to do that. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Devia. Those were your travel diaries. Thank you very much, Holly. Oh, that was the lovely Divya Tani. We had such a nice time chatting. What a pleasure to get those tips from someone so in the know. I mean, her hidden gem, Maya's Crest, I just looked it up. Three bedroom house for £180-ish a night overlooking the Himalayas. It looks amazing. What a great hidden gem, one to certainly add to the travel wish list. Of course, Condé Nast Traveller is in your local newsagent and you can check them out online and on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you use Apple Podcasts to press follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you want to be the first to find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Holly Rubenstein and you'll also find me on Twitter and TikTok as of a few weeks ago, also at Holly Rubenstein. And if you can't wait until then, remember there's the first 
eight seasons to catch up on. That's over 90 episodes to keep you busy there. All the destinations mentioned by my guests are included in the episode show notes here on your podcast app and listed on my website, thetraveldiariespodcast.com. Thanks everyone, and I'll be back next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.